into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys, and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geeks Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. Welcome to another shift on the Geeks Watch. We are here talking more Altered Carbon. Uh, this week is episode 7. Uh, I believe the episode is called... Wasn't it 6? It was 8. I thought it was... <laughs> I forgot how to count. Now you guys got me all confused well, all and stuff. Rails. No, it's episode seven. It is seven. Nora what was six. Nora Inu. Is that? Are you? Are you telling me? Am I? Am I wrong? Uh, no, man. Man with a face was one more six. We did it last week. I thought that was five. No, continue. That was six. <laughs> did I watch the right one? Yeah, I, I hope you did. Yeah, we talked a little bit about it before we started recording. So yeah, you, you talked. You, you you watched the right one. Okay. All right. Cool. <laughs> All right. All right. Cool. <laughs> so Nora Inu. Yeah, I hope I'm saying that right. Apparently, it's a. Japanese saying, but uh, uh, that was this week's episode. But before we get to that, we will talk about some geek news for this week and talk a little bit about the solo trailer that just dropped. So, yeah, we just saw it like right now. <laughs> nah, I don't know. Uh, I like it, I like what I see. But when I see something I really like that's off of an old franchise that everybody loves, and then dear, is it were you good? Yeah, yeah, you're oh, good. Okay, yeah. keep going. Yeah, it uh, it's it scares me. Just like, just like what you said over here, like you said, you really want to like it. Yes, <laughs> but it's like it's. But I've been hurt in the past. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we've been deceived. I, I feel like we've all been deceived. And then, like the 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 Star Wars fans, we found a split. There's an imbalance in the force. Well, see, yeah. that's the thing is that I've just never been a Star Wars fan. I just it's a part of the zeitgeist of being a geek nerd, so I, I know of it, but I don't. I've never been a fan. But as a movie fan, as a movie fan, uh, I would say there are a few that I actually like. The rest of them, uh, the storytelling for me is not all that great. But I, I know that there's a lot of people that are just like screaming at me right now because <laughs> it's like the most epic space opera ever. Eh. Yeah, exactly. There's there's a part of me that kind of goes, eh. <laughs> uh, and I would say it was. See, and I just don't <laughs> see it. I don't I don't see it from the original trilogy. So, uh, all right. First, for, for first thing though, let's talk about some geek news. Uh, Mark Miller. Well, I I enjoy a lot of his books. I enjoy a lot of his comic books. Um, he recently sold off his. Millerverse, I guess is how they call it, uh, hmm. to Netflix. It sounds like beer, like like, <laughs> like a beer label. It's like join us for the Millerverse. Uh, but the thing is, is that Nemesis, one of my favorite books from him, is going forward and being made into a movie. Uh, Nemesis is the story of a essentially reverse Batman. Like there's this, hmm. there's this 
guy who has a whole bunch of money and dresses all in white and and he goes around and he picks certain top cops of the world like any cop that's been given a high honor in their city like he goes and terrorizes that city wow yeah it's a it's a pretty great book just give him a challenge <laughs> uh but yeah uh, the hollywood reporter is reporting that kroll uh, after working for 24 years at Warner Brothers, is stepping down and launching her own production company, Kroll & Company Entertainment. In partnership with several veteran executives, the label will, will be uh, producing a slew of projects, among them being Nemesis, with which Ridley Scott and Jules Daly are developing in, in a producer capacity. Here's a statement uh, on the matter issued by Kroll. My passion for film and television and for telling great stories is not only the cornerstone of my wonderful career, but has been a huge part of my life since I was a young girl, enthralled by the movie image. Or moving image, I'm sorry. But, uh, yeah, I was to say, this is probably one of... I mean, I, I, I enjoy a lot of... I mean, a lot of his books have been already turned into movies, and they kind of aren't great, like Wanted. Hmm. Wanted was a terrible movie. Is an amazing comic book. Um, Kick ass. Those are his stories. The movies are good to a point. The books are so much better. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's. I, I can't wait to see what else happens. Did uh, he also do Kingsman? He did create Kingsman. So there you go. Those movies are good. Hmm. I never read the, the comic books on that though. I felt weird about the second Kingsman, but that's a, that's a different day. We can talk about <laughs> the first Kingsman. I, I loved it. I want to call it Kingsman Two Full Throttle. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely goes overboard. It, it, you know what? Those movies do have that Charlie's Angels feel, though. They have a yeah. that mid yeah. G kind of feel. So it, they remind me of like early CGI that looks weightless. That's how it feels yeah. with a lot of their action. Yeah, like, they're just defying gravity. <laughs> uh, okay, so that was my first story. John, what do you have to talk about? My first story today involves uh, a different comic book creator, uh, Brian K. Vaughn. And in this particular case, his adaptation of Why the Last Man. FX has ordered a pilot, and uh, I'm really hyped. I'm excited because I really like this series. And it looks like it could be really, really good, or it could come out really, really bad. So, uh, you know, that's incredible because, yeah, this show or a adaptation of Why the Last Man has been in development for a very long time. It's interesting that... Uh, it hadn't uh, gotten further in the process till now. Um, FX, I would say, is probably a great place for it. Yeah, it would fit right in there, I think. And uh, it looked pretty awesome in that non-linear storytelling that the book has. And I'm super stoked. Although, there are some things that, I mean, it's a show that is very grandiose in scale. Mm-hmm. And I think what's going to be the most interesting hurdle is if they're actually going to be able to have a show that's like 99% female-driven, even though the protagonist is a male. Right. So that's going to be an interesting uh, challenge to see how they pull that off. But I'm all on board. I want to see this happen. And, you know, I've never uh, read an issue of Why the Last Man myself. Uh, I I do know of it. Uh, Brian, have you... uh ever read an issue of White Last Fan? Actually, no. It? Not at all. Okay. You have an opinion on it at all? Not at all. I feel very lost in this conversation. <laughs> I'm thinking about puppies right now. <laughs> Was there? Is there any like particular person that you would see, John, that would be playing uh, Y or York Brown? Um, yeah. I want somebody who's kind of comedically inclined. So somebody like, um, like Zach Braff. 
Zach Bull, well, he's on another show right now, so he wouldn't be. <sighs> he's got himself Alex Inc. that just started. Yeah, I mean, unless that fails completely at AW, ABC, AWC, ABC, <laughs> then... Uh, well, they're really stepping out their production values there. Uh, I don't know. Just from what you said, you know, the first name that popped in my head, and he might be a little on the old side, but uh, was Matthew Perry. What did you see about Matthew Perry? He definitely is on the older side, but somebody of that ilk, for sure. Yeah. Somebody who's got that uh, that ex- excellent kind of sarcastic delivery. Louis Black. <laughs> Judge Reinhold. I love comics. Let's just start throwing names out there. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, then, Brian, what's the first thing that you wanted to talk about? Um, actually, it's just I. I don't have much news, but there's a. I'm really into Overwatch. I don't really play the game much, but I love the lore. So they they've been doing their update for this uh, called Retribution, where you got the story of the bad guys. They were under this uh, organization called Talon. So they're updating their skins. There's a So there's this one meme that's coming out. So the, the Mexican uh, or the Spanish uh, Twitter for Overwatch uh, released the new skin for a character named Sombra, which is a, a Mexican character. And so she has this big swooping colored hair. But on this skin, she has uh, really short hair. And it's been, like, blowing up the internet. <laughs> like, making fun of her and stuff. Like, she kind of looks like Rihanna. Or she also looks very... Uh, she looks like a like a Mexican soap opera. Like a novella character to me. Um, so that's the one thing that's going out. Uh, oh, yeah. So there was another character, too. An African character. Uh, Doomfist. He got his new skin, too. And people are like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, he's got, he's got cool colors. But the other thing that I found that was funny, because there's some just some some weird people out there, man. <laughs> During the the release of uh, one character, the, a new character for Overwatch, uh, Brigitte. I always feel like I'm saying her name wrong. Is um, it B R I G E T T E? Yes. Isn't that Bridget? Bridget. Oh, I don't know how to read. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to say things. So uh, she's um, since she's been released. Uh, there's been like this spike of search uh, in the, in the Pornhub, Pornhub search engine. Is it? So there's been known that there's, you know, Overwatch porn, but it's just like how quickly a new female character shows up and people are like, I'm into that. I want to see this. And so it's like, I know some of the people that listen to your show, I bet there's some freaks out there. And I know deep down in their hearts, deep down in their secret little souls, they've... They went. They went to go do some searching on their own. I know they have. So, now are you saying like like someone has already like uh, like cosplayed the characters and did live action porn, there's, there's, or they uh, did some animated porn? Man, it's so weird that you're asking me that. Because let me take a drink. Here. Because you know, <laughs> I had to do some of the research myself. Uh, of course, you did. So it's a mix of all sorts of media. There's some cartoon. There, they take the actual. Uh, the 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 this the the model frames okay. from the video game, and of course, yes, there's some cosplay as well. It's just there's some just you guys are you guys are twisted. <laughs> you guys are making me think about humanity. Like, I mean, to get it done in you know hours after the character is released, that's pretty impressive. Dude, I, there's... I would assume that there was some some shots of the character before it was actually released for play and stuff. That's, um, no, yeah, actually, yeah, they kind of introduced her in like a comic and oh no no she was in a release for uh reinhardt one of the characters like they have the the cool thing about overwatch they have to make a movie out of this 
Blizzard will make so much money. They try to do this with... Uh, now, do you want a movie or do you want a series? Because I, I think I keep hearing something about a Netflix series. Oh, really? Like well, an animated series. But that, I think that, that might be just really be a, neat. the rumor or maybe Cause, just... Because the, the lore for this is really deep. Like, it would require, like, a lot of work to go <laughs> tell the whole story the way it's supposed to be told. Um, but yeah, uh, Bridget, she was uh, shown in uh, Reinhardt's short story. Because they, they, they all they show like short clips of like each character, kind of like showing their backstory and where they came from. Just and like Street Fighter used to do back in the yeah, day. Yeah, basically, this is like the first-person shooter of Street Fighter. Okay. And it, I, that's why people are loving it, because there's always a character that you can connect with. Almost every nationality, almost every race is represented in it. Um, there's a couple characters where it's like, yeah, yeah, I feel, I feel like this guy. Like, when I would play Street Fighter back in the day, I've always wanted to be Ryu. Mm-hmm. And then I always kept on staring at Chun-Li. So I kind of understand some of the weirdos out there. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, Dead or Alive made a whole <laughs> franchise off of just staring at the Chun-Li's of their video games. Yeah, that's so. true. Yeah, that's all waifu material. <laughs> all you guys out there with your waifu pillows and... Uh, all right, so <laughs> leaving the world of Overwatch... <laughs> Uh, Dan, I, I have no idea how to say his last name, but Mazu, uh, I think he helped write the Ready Player One. Yeah, he wrote the screenplay for Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. Is working with uh, Ernest Klein, who wrote Ready Player One, to uh, write a draft for the adaptation of Armada for Universal. Now, Armada is the other book, or one of the other books from uh, Ernest Klein. And with the, uh, I would I I would say that there's a success coming from Ready Player One at the moment. I actually don't know what it's done at the box office so far. I know it won last e- last mm-hmm. weekend, and we talked about it. But uh, yeah, I would say that it's probably a good bet they're going to make this movie, which I think is supposed. Armada is more of a last Starfighter kind of. It's one of my favorite words out there. Armada. Armada. It's like that's. It's one of those military. Dr- Words where it's like when you hear the word armada, you know you're gonna get your ass. Whooped. You know that there's a lot coming something, at you. Something's coming with the fierceness of God's hand. I'm not a religious man, but I know that you should start praying when you hear an armada is after you. Did you read Armada? John? No, I have not. Do you know anything about I, it? Only that it's by Ernest Klein and it has something to do with video games. That's about it. it has I, nothing I forget, about it. I forget who it was that I was talking to. I think it was a coworker that was talking to me about Armada, but. Yeah, uh, I, I guess that's the, something I need to read because, uh, or maybe not. You know that I think maybe reading Ready Player One before the movie came out kind of ruined the movie for me a little. Oh really? Yeah, mm-hmm. just because it, I had more expectation for it, or I felt like they really didn't. Uh, and I think I said this last week. Which is kind of funny. I wasn't expecting much out of Ready Player One, but then it, it made me feel. I felt good. Only the first, like, five minutes, ten minutes of it made me go, like, come on! You don't have to explain to me what an Easter egg is. I play video games all the time. I play Overwatch, which is, like, the... There's so many damn Easter eggs there that they figured, like, hey, let's throw this in, uh, let's throw this in Ready Player One. I wish I had more characters other than Tracer's butt all over the place. She was in that a lot. Uh, well, here's a little synopsis from uh, Deadline. It says, Also filled with many Easter eggs of 80s and 90s pop culture with and wish fulfillment like Ready Player One, Armada follows teen Zach Lightman, 
who learns that he is uh, that the Space Invaders like video game he's been playing for quite some time is actually a recruitment tool for a secret government organization called the Earth Defense Alliance, uh, which has been in a secret war with an alien race for decades. Now that the war has escalated to a threat invasion of Earth, Zack and the other top gamers are officially recruited and called into action. They must now use their gaming skills to help save the world. Armada has been published in 20 languages in 36 countries. So, essentially, it's... Uh, the Last Starfighter. The Last Starfighter in Pixels. Did you watch that M. Sandler <laughs> movie, Pixels? Oh. Oh, yeah. I, I, I sort of... I felt... The, okay, the thing about Ready Player One... Uh-huh. It had a bad... I was about to have a bad taste in my mouth because I was like, is it going to be like Pixels? Oh, please don't be like Pixels. Oh, God. No, because that took the video games and brought them out into the real world. Yeah. That's totally different. This is us going into the video game world, or Ready Player One going in... The people going into the video game world. So... Yeah, it, it's definitely a last Starfighter feel to it. So, mm-hmm. which is funny. Oh, that is that is the last Starfighter. That is except for it's the aliens that sent the game to Earth to to find someone to fight for the aliens. This is Earth creating a video game to find people to fight for Earth. Oh, oh yeah, I didn't get I, that's strange. Okay, I get it. <laughs> now, when are we going to have a movie where we are the aliens and we're the ones that are abducting redneck aliens from their farms and experimenting <laughs> with their cows and Sneaking things up their butt just There's for a fun. stand-up comic that has that. Like, the way we, like, gather wildlife creatures and we, like, hit them with a dart and tag them. <laughs> and then they wake up and they go back to their friends like, you will not believe what happened. What, it, it exists. They're wildlife That's documentaries. Yeah, just, it's a cycle that continues. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was just done reading an article earlier today about how they're thinking about remaking exactly that, The Last Starfighter. So I'm kind of curious how they would handle that. That was a good movie, though. Yes, yeah, it was. We we posted an article about that earlier this week. Uh, Gary Witta, who wrote Rogue One, has been working on the Last Starfighter remake. They put out some concept art this past week, so there's the remake of that is happening. So mm. that makes me wonder: a, what can they do different to make it stand out from the previous movie, which was pretty good in and of itself? And b, like, how is it also going to differentiate itself from Armada now, since that's apparently going to happen? <laughs> Now, of, of course, it came before Armada, but, I mean, if Armada beats them to the punch, then it's going to seem like this one's trying to cash it, in on gonna there. It's going to be like that time during, like, the, between the end of 1990s and to the mid-2000s, there was always, like, a set of movies that were, like, the same. Oh, sister yeah. movies happen all the time. Yeah. Because even look at late 2000s, you had uh, White House Down and Olympus as well. Yeah, yeah. That, that was, yeah, that was one of them. Yeah, late 2000s. Because I remember Ants... And then Bugs Life. <laughs> Bugs Life, yeah. And then what was it? Armageddon and, and Deep, Deep Impact. Impact. And it was just it's like what's Dante's it? Peak and I, Volcano. Yeah. Internally I felt like every every summer I was like freaking out. I was like, What's happening? <laughs> I'm watching the same movie twice. Yeah, Jurassic Park and Carnosaur. Um, yeah, that doesn't count. Yeah, no, no one watched Carnosaur. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh I mean it, those are the things that those things happen, but I, I think the difference between Armada of being an Earth defense versus Last Starfighter, where they're going to take that person to outer space, is is where you're going to sell the difference there. And I wanted to say that I recently, and I say recently, probably within the last twelve to eighteen months, rewatched uh, Last Starfighter, and story wise, that still holds up. Like that movie still yeah. holds up. Yeah. Like the special effects might not so much, but they, you know, the 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 practical effects in that were actually really good. You know, be really funny is like. Kind of as a throwback, 
instead of relying on any CGI effects for the last Starfighter remake, make it all practical. Make it high quality, weight us style. Yeah, but that, that stuff costs money. Yeah. So does digital effects. Not as much. You know what movie I found? I, I, there's a movie I just recently saw that I saw as a kid that if they remade it now, with the, there's no CGI, it would still hold up to this day. This The original holds up to this day if they ever do make a remake. And you're going to look at me like a crazy person. I'm already, I already look at you like a Is crazy person. Is it the never-ending story? No. <laughs> the gods must be crazy. I, you know, I've never seen the gods must be crazy. But I, did, I didn't okay. know there was a special effects in that. There is none. So then why? <laughs> That's like saying but I know, Citizen but I know, Kane would hold up without any. But I know people would try to put special effects in it. There are parts of it where it's like, hey, you got to put special effects in it. It's like, Let's put... oh yeah, you'd have like a CGI hyena or something yeah. instead of the. Yeah, but they used real hyenas. They used real hyenas. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, yeah, I've never seen that movie, so I'll just take I your word for it. Okay, it's, it's very good. good. What yes. about the Gods Must Be Crazy too? That is also a good movie. Is oh, it? it's even better. <laughs> it's one of the few movies where there's a sequel and it's better than the original. <laughs> oh man, speaking of that, man, we got. Oh, like we gotta have like an '80s marathon, Cannonball Run. I was also thinking. Oh, like, I love the Cannonball how, how Run about, movies. We were talking about um, not just an '80s like review, but like the cheap C budget movies review. Like I saw Atlantic Rim, and I was just angry <laughs> the Sounds whole like time. A porno. Atlantic, no, it, it, <laughs> yeah, it, it looked like the same type of film production someone said that about uh the new sequel for pacific rim pacific rim uprising sounds like a porno like uh title like it like it would be one which it kind of does yeah <laughs> i think it was kevin smith that said that you know what it really sucks though is when they don't even try and they just say the name of the movie but say this ain't pacific rim <laughs> or not another pacific rim movie and it's like porno i'm like man you, just, you, you need the clever name. Yes, I mean that's part of the creativity is the pun work. You know, like do people go into pornos looking for the creativity? You know, it's the cherry on top. Oh, yes. And then there's Overwatch porn. <laughs> <laughs> it disturbs me. It makes me feel sad to see it. Uh, John, your the last story you wanted to talk about? Ah, uh, yeah. Let's bring it back to something more wholesome, I guess. Uh, Lord of the Rings, the television series, or uh, Amazon series, whatever it turns out to be. Uh, not only does it have a ridiculously high budget, but Peter Jackson is apparently going to executive produce now. Mm-hmm. That's kind of interesting, given his history with Lord of the Rings and his love and passion for the first trilogy. Maybe not so much the quality of the second, uh, being The Hobbit. But I'm curious as to how they're going to go about this. Like, what they could possibly do different, who they could recast. I know that Sir Ian McKellen says that he would love to be still be Gandalf, and I think to some degree, maybe even said he's the only one that should play Gandalf. Kind of, I you defiantly. know, I I am always against any time anybody says that said character, said actor is the only one that should ever play it again. You know, because it's like, no, look, yes, there might be some people that can't live up to the first person that did it, but you never know. There's someone that someone could come along and play the character better. I just think that that's ridiculous to me that they so they would say that no one could play it better than Ian McKellen. Well, if they get Michael Fassbender to play young Gandalf, that would be that would be weird. <laughs> <laughs> so the Hollywood Reporter reports that Jackson's involvement in the project is uncertain, but Jackson's attorney describes the deal as a creature of the times, saying Amazon is taking a page out of the studio's emphasis on franchise. 
in a world where Disney has laid out impressive interconnected franchises with its Marvel and Star Wars properties and HBO is considering anywhere between the three and five spinoffs of Game of Thrones, Middle Earth could be a property that gives Amazon a significant boost in the coming streaming wars. So, yeah. I thought Van Damme Johnson was helping out Amazon. <laughs> they didn't get past season one, so I'm going to say they didn't, he didn't help too much. That was some good shit, man. I, it was a funny <laughs> show, but... It was, you know what? I want to say the pilot episode that they they made first was great, mm-hmm. but then after that, they just had no idea what to do with the series. Like it, they were surprised, like the pilots. Like, yes, it, they were definitely it worked. It, All right, so I guess we got to make some. They're uh, giving us money to make this. Okay, well, they don't give it a crap, just kind of went off the rails, and like, hey, you know what? That show, kind of show probably should go off the rails. It's John Claude Van Damme playing himself as a s- superstar spy. Dual, double, it's all weird. So, yeah. sorry, I jumped ship. No, but we're okay. back to Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Not Jacques Clem that day. Um, but yeah, I, I would, I am interested to see who they recast as all the different characters. Now, it has been reported that they're looking to spend over a billion dollars on this franchise alone. So, yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, it sounds like they have, they're, I mean, that's without casting anybody yet. So, yeah, that's just like pre-production <laughs> value, I guess. So I mean, like, I guess that's that's getting everybody to fucking New Zealand to, to film <laughs> it and getting well, the crew. Well, that's another thing. Like, we don't even know any details about how they're actually going to pull this off. See, but... like, I'm afraid. Are they going to, like, film it in Canada? Or people are be like, <laughs> oh, hey, this is a Toronto production. If and they, then you can totally tell. <laughs> if they don't do it in uh, um, New Zealand, I would assume that it would be all... Uh, uh, studio green work. screen you know just like how a which lot i of hope not Hollywood, I, mean, I, I hope the of... reason why the budget's so big is because they're going to use real locations and practical effects as much as they can i would assume so if they're going to go up try and go up against game of thrones which uses a lot of real lo- uses all or i would say a lot of real locations i don't know if everything is a real location but you know what though like i've read lord of the rings and i'm so glad i saw the movies first because i would not have been able to get past the first book they are a hard read. I mean, The Hobbit is... That's what I heard. That's what I say for Game of Thrones. The Game of Thrones books are a hard read. They're dense, but they're not hard to read. They're relatively simple, especially if you like the character. The, because every chapter is a different character's point of view. Really? And it kind of jumps back and forth, you know. Um, kind of like how the show does. Basically, yeah, exactly. So, But Lord of the Rings, my gosh. Like, just the prose that Tolkien used to have is like... <laughs> It, wow! Like it, I felt like I needed a like a Cliff's Notes, you know, constantly. I used to date a British girl, and she gave me a gift. She gave me my uh, a book to read was uh, Dorian Gray, which was really weird because I started reading it. It's like, hey, what? what? These, uh, there's a lot of like gay tones going on here. These guys <laughs> flirting with each other. It's like, of course, to say the least. It's, yeah. It's Dorian Gray. It was written by, what's his name? Oscar Wilde. Well. And so we started talking about other books. And I was like, what do you thought about Lord of the Rings? Because I dated her the same time the first Lord of the Rings came out. She's like, she says she loved it, but it was so hard to read. And it's from her style of English. And then we went to go see the movie together. And I hated it. Because <laughs> to me, it's like, I didn't know anything about the, the book. But to me, it felt like a bunch of dudes went walking. So the, the movie went like beginning, middle, 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 middle. 
the end. There's a lot of middle. <laughs> and it's like, oh, Middle Earth, I get it now. There's no hey, ending to this. It's like they say in Clerks, even the trees walk in those movies. <laughs> uh, did you have another story, Brian, that you wanted to talk oh, about? Oh, no, that's no. it. Okay. Uh, let's talk about a little bit about the, the solo trailer that came out. We got to see, it definitely focuses more on on himself but we got to see a lot of the other characters which i thought was really cool yeah i, I kind of saw the relationship a little bit with chewy and him yeah uh that's they, the one thing i did like about that was the interesting i thought we did i catch that we saw chewy kiss another uh wookie wookie in that right yeah, i yes, saw that too that's what it looked like okay so other than the the christmas special did we i mean i think we the only other time we saw other wookies was in this the big senate hearing in the prequels right and also in the revenge end, of the sith yeah after no uh, yeah after um oh yeah that's order right 64 yeah. what is it 66 66 was announced and then like yoda's like goodbye and he chewy was there apparently yeah chewy was apparently some kind of commander in the wookie army or something which was never canon up until this point that's interesting so uh i i don't know i think that was an interesting pull to see him like affectionate towards another Wookiee. Uh, that would be I, Mala if it's the same one from the Christmas special. If they decide <laughs> oh to make man. that canon, that's going to be Mala. <laughs> uh, I thought that um, I, I really I really feel like Donald Glover as Lando is going to steal this movie. Dude, he's nailing it. He, I think I like, he was probably my favorite part besides the visual effects. I think he's like loving every second of playing the character, oh, and he, it looks like he, it shows. It really shows. Yeah, yeah like seeing the Millennium Falcon all nice and clean. Yeah, because like I bet because like throughout the whole series they said like look at this piece of junk. Yeah, but then it's brand new right here. It, it doesn't look like. Yeah, I hope they don't treat it that way. Like hey, like like the the same ideas. Like what is this piece of junk? It's like oh dude, look at this thing. Like so, you mean to tell me as soon as Han wins it from <laughs> from Lando in the said poker game? Uh, he's gonna just not take care of it. Yeah, he's he trailer trash. It. Yeah, he's trailer trash from space. That's what he is. <laughs> but he's the best pilot in in the the whole system. Oh Doesn't man, I know a bunch neat. of rednecks out there living the trailer. They're pretty damn good drivers. <laughs> uh, he also made a lot of modifications. So like we're seeing it in its pristine stock form, and then he's gonna start doing a whole lot of uh, illegal conversions and additions to that. That's what I'm starting to think. Han Solo is some kind of space redneck. That's what he is. We also got to see a yeah. lot of uh, the the crew that um, uh, what's his, Woody Harrelson's character is putting together, or at least oh, how yeah. they're putting it together and stuff like that. So we get to see that the show is or the show, the movie is definitely gonna have more of that heist feel that we've been told it's supposed to be about. Like it's supposed to be, it, I've heard that it's supposed to be a little bit of heist, a little bit of gangster, and it seems like Paul Bettany is playing that that intergalactic gangster that we're gonna have. Basically, he's the Jabba character. Uh, I hope they bring in what situation Jabba is in what was it the first uh, trilogy A New Hope and I can't remember but apparently uh, Jabba the Hutt had some beef with Han Solo yes I wonder if they're going to bring that up in this movie no that would have had to have happened shortly before the events of A New Hope but the what you're referring to and he mentions it if you listen to the story um, basically he f- is uh getting surrounded by the empire mm. so he drops his cargo i was gonna say he dropped his load but that's not <laughs> oh, yeah he he basically uh evacuated his cargo which ended up costing him the job and it was a lot of money which is why I he was see. in debt yes 
Right, and, and so yeah, that would have took place shortly before New Hope, and yeah. probably uh, a while after uh, this movie takes place. But I, I mean, can I, maybe not too long after. This. I mean, we could see the budding relationship. We Jabba could show up at the end of the movie and be like, "Hey, I got a job for you," kind of thing. That's, I'm guessing that's what's going to happen there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but the uh, Paul Bettany's character, the the gangster, the interactive gangster. Uh, it was interesting because I thought it looked like he pulled out like a a little whip, like light light whip, laser whip or something. Oh yeah, but that's... It, but you, Brian, you said it looked like it might have been like a mini like pocket a, like lightsaber, a pocket lightsaber, because it happened so fast. When right, I saw it, and I was like, I didn't totally absorb that shot there, but then like I just saw a little like something just do the lightsaber thing. Right, and I was like, mm. what did you pick up from that, John? And it was I... red. It was red. <laughs> Well, that means it has a synthetic hyper uh, exactly. crystal in it. So that means he is not a Jedi, or he, he is just some dude can just pick up a red synthetic hyper cr- yeah. crystal. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about it, weapons like lightsabers aren't really like exclusive to Jedi's or Sith. Yeah, They're exactly. a weapon that exists in the world, but usually it's like just like in this world, unless you've trained with it for years, oh, it wouldn't really be. I think they changed the canon. Uh, okay, I might be wrong. People can probably tweet the, 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 the show and be like, Brian doesn't know shit. And I'll be like, I'm okay with it. But I thought I read something on like one of the new comics that have been lined up that the Kuiper crystals are original crystals, but they change when there's like so much pain and hurt into them. Yeah, they're called bleeding the crystals. It's a slight yeah. change in the um, canon now. So is that a thing now, or can they still it be synthetic? Be. I mean, laser... <laughs> Laser knives, there's such a thing. Basically, there's different types of weapons. Not all of them are necessarily entirely lightsaber-based. Yeah. They have things called vibro-axis and electro-axis, for instance. Uh, like Electro-knives. So they're basically still like have a steel core, but they have a current running through them, hmm. which also makes them like essentially plasma cutters. I see. Which is similar technology, but it's not a solid beam of light. So that could be part of what we're seeing there. Mm. It probably still hurt like a mother when it cut you and it cauterized a wound. But it's not full on like Jedi weapon. I want it. <laughs> I put it in my kitchenware collection. <laughs> so you could toast your bread as you slice it. Yes, that would be a good idea. Now I also have to say that I loved the, I guess the relationship between um, uh, Lando and his guesses L three. It sounds. It sounds yeah, like he heard, said he yelled out. Yeah, I thought I heard that too. That robot looks like a badass. <laughs> I mean, he looks like another K two. Is it was it K two S O? Yes. Like, yeah, the Alan Tudor, but, but without the uh, sarcasm. <laughs> he doesn't have that broken filter or broken whatever it was in that, the K two S O. That lack of uh, what was it? Yeah. Yeah, it's like a lack of a filter, right? Or lack of uh, something to tell him not to say certain things. Right, yeah. I can't <laughs> think of it now. But somebody pointed out from based on the still, the shape of the robot's head, it has a very distinct shape, like on the like where the ears would be on the robot head. Mm-hmm. And somebody pointed out, hey, haven't we seen this somewhere before? And then oh. they put a picture of his like, mandroid servant from Cloud City. Oh, and interesting. Like, oh, I didn't if- catch that. Yeah, I was like, that's kind of interesting, like how that could play into it. Maybe uh, he got an upgrade and became more human-like, or it's just something. weird how Mandroid, out of like Lando's characters, little group of characters, that Mandroid was like w- one of the characters that people always talk about. He didn't get that much screen time. But people were like, Mandroid. He had no minds, <laughs> but he was a presence. You know? Yeah, and it was like there was something big about him. <laughs> yeah. It was like we want to know more about this guy. 
So I have to say, I, I, I think that, and okay, I know Han Solo is like, if you're a Star Wars nerd, you're probably like, he's the, the man to you. Like for most of them, like pe- people love Han Solo. I was more of a Luke guy. Oh, fair enough. And I, I imagine there's, there's some people out there that are more of a Boba person too. So, but like, I don't feel like in the original trilogy, Harrison Ford was really playing him as this like swagger kind of guy. I just feel like he played him like himself kind of thing. He was mm. being himself. Yeah. And, and in this, Aaron Ald- or Alden Ehrenreich plays, like, there's some scenes in the trailer where he's, kind of playing off this like he's got this swagger kind of thing like everybody loves me like thing and it, like it doesn't feel in like in the right place at least to me but then again i don't like i've stated i don't i'm not a star wars person so i don't really care but I... but yeah there's the one scene in the trailer where he's talking to chewie and he goes well what do you think of it and then chewie says whatever he says of course we don't get to know what he's saying and he goes yeah but what do you know and i was like that that is a han solo moment yes. like that's completely han but what were you going to say, Brian? Yeah, I was kind of thinking... I, I thought about that, too. Like, well, that moment where I was kind of, like, lost what you guys were talking about one moment, and I feel bad about that, but I was actually kind of thinking about the movie, the trailer that we just saw. And I was like, yeah, this solo feels different from the solo we grew up with. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering, maybe it's because he's, like, a young, vibrant solo. Because everyone is a little more flashier and louder when you're young. And then when you hit your mid 30s going on 40s you're kind of like yeah fuck it <laughs> i i am who i am now yeah I, I, it's I, like I, I've, I've done enough <laughs> i can still do some other cool things but i'm not that motivated i'm not that you don't get as motivated mm-hmm. when you get older because like you just set your base when you're young <laughs> you're setting that base you're charging hard and you're trying to prove people Look what I can do. Notice me, senpai. <laughs> I got a refill. Jameson and Coke. Uh, John, was there, was there anything else in particular that stuck out to you about the trailer? I just really like the look of it. It looks very practical for a lot of stuff. It reminds me a lot of Shadows of the Empire, the mm. old N64 game. Mm. Especially that train sequence. Because oh, there was a level was just like that. And in all honesty... The the dude playing Han Solo looks like he would have made a much better Dash Rendar. I don't know who that who's is. Who's the main character of Shadows of the Empire? Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he looks almost just like him. He's like slightly more redheaded looking than the, that character, right. with like kind of shaggier hair. Hmm. And um, there was this YouTube video of this other actor who did like a spot on Han Solo impression. Yeah, but do you want a, an actor doing a Han Solo impression? Do you this want guy, someone doing a Harrison Ford impression? Though I felt like he did. Like, I mean, so far we've seen one short moment where this this guy did like an okay Han Solo moment, right? Like, and I just said that. So. This other guy on YouTube, who is an actor, but I can't think of his name. He's apparently done other stuff, and I think he even played a young Harrison Ford in a different movie. Oh wow! And he just was so spot on. I'm like with this guy. Why not him? Get him. He's the one. You need to look no further. Hey, look. When they were announcing this movie, they had and they announced their shortlist. On that shortlist was Miles Teller. So I'm just grateful that you don't have Miles Teller in here as Han Solo. So. Oh, but then we missed on the opportunity of calling him Drum Solo. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> fuck that movie. <laughs> fuck Miles Teller. I mean, he's probably a cool dude and all, but I just do not care for you his acting. You just don't like Fan Force Stick, that's all. 
I don't like that movie at all, but I didn't like him before that movie. I, I don't like the fucking drummer movie. Um, Whiplash? Yeah. Dude, that movie was awesome. That movie is so boring. Man. <laughs> maybe you just have to have a really bad relationship with your father and a mentor. <laughs> I, I, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I can relate to it, I guess. Uh, I, I I wanted to say what you said about the, the look of it. That's one thing I love. I, I do really like about and I know we only have two examples at this point, but I like about these uh, Star Wars stories. So Rogue One and now Haunt, and now the Solo movie that obviously they take place in the same world as the Star Wars movies, but they have such a distinct, different look. Like the you know, there's the filter, the color filters, and you know, just the the I don't know the the style of it just looks different than Star Wars, which I, to me is just enjoyable. They look used. Old and lived in. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Not pristine and clean and all that, except for the Millennium Falcon. But <laughs> that's actually one point that I thought I wasn't going to like about this. Like, oh, no, they're going to pretty it up or whatever. No, I actually really like it. Mm-hmm. It makes sense because it gives like, oh, because growing up, looking at the Millen- Millennium Falcon, I cannot enunciate right now. Yeah, just. I think you're cut off now. <laughs> oh, man. It just, just seen from like. The origins of it. Is that me or... It's me. Okay. Seeing the origins, just... To, I'm surprised at how clean it is. And then now I was like, I have more judgment towards Han Solo. <laughs> but he's just a slob. <laughs> yeah. He needed to get a, a mate or something to keep keep it up. Or but those... then again, it could have been Chewbacca's fault. You know? Like, maybe he's... He's basically like a seven foot tall dog. Maybe just yeah, pretty much gets his lint everywhere, and you know, <laughs> and, he, and like he's tra- he's got a lint brush, and he's yeah. like, I give up, I give up, like mo- like most dog owners do. We're just like, I give up because I have a dog, and I'm like, I give up. But I also feel like it's like the the light, the lighting in it, like in the, the this version of it, it's got the brand new like white lights and stuff like that. But you know, at some point they burned out, and Han had to go get replacements, and he just bought the yellow light, you know, the cheap dollar store light and just yeah. it that's why everything and just looks so dingy and like doesn't it doesn't he, he's more for the functional yeah. aspect of the vehicle where he's kind of like oh yeah that lights out oh, I'll, I'll get it i'll get to it later yeah it's whatever. like this this other light is covering as much as it needs to so it's fine i never noticed that like so much of the interior is meant to have covers over it yeah. <laughs> whereas in the uh, older versions it's like panels or wires hanging out yep tubes that are bypassing sections yep uh, was there any last part, uh, Brian, that you wanted to talk about the trailer? Mm, no, I'm pretty much. I'm. I'm kind of looking forward to it. There's this one character though. He visually stroked me. Stroked me. Uh, strikes me. Uh, like, he, like I want to know what he looks like. An Overwatch <laughs> character. It's the guy with like. He's got. It's a masked dude. He's got some like electronic like these ears coming out and like some feathers. He looked kind of like a cyberpunk. Uh, Sandman, sand creature. What do you call him? Jawa. He looked like a like a cyberpunk Jawa to me. You mean Tuscan Raider? Tuscan Raider. That's what I mean. <laughs> he looked like a cyberpunk Tuscan Raider. Okay. Did I, you I, see that guy? I, He's I, somewhere in like the. It looked like they're they're over these cliffs. Is that the one that was like squaring off against Han Solo? Looked yes. Like they were gonna have a duel. Yeah, I was wondering what's up with Rumor that. Rumor has it that's a female too. Oh really? Yeah. Isn't that I, isn't it Amelia Clark's character? No, like just I don't in think costume. So. Is it? That's what, That's how I've I've been figuring it. Like like in the other, the first trailer they released, the mm-hmm. teaser trailer, uh, 
to me, she's talking, and then there's like a whole bunch of different scenes with her, and she's in a different outfit the whole time, mm. which is what I liked about her. Like, it makes me think of her as a grifter. Like, she's literally goes in and, and changes outfits, cons people, then comes out and changes into a different outfit oh, to do she's whatever. She's the she saffron wants. of Star Wars. I don't know what that means. Uh, that's big boop chick from uh, Christina Hendricks. Oh, Firefly. from Firefly. Oh, yes. yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and, and that was another thing. This this trailer didn't seem to focus too much on Amelia Clark's character. It didn't seem like to me. No, she's very background from the looks of it, but she's definitely going to play a big part. Oh, definitely. You know, it's funny. I'm trying to remember the first trailer, but I realized I I got I saw a version of the first trailer that wasn't the original. Mm-hmm. I saw somebody edit the first Han Solo trailer to sabotage. And I was <laughs> like, right. and it was so good that like every time I try to think about the first one, it's like, I don't know what music they were playing. It just didn't strike me as, <laughs> as hard as like the sabotage. I was like, that was the best version I've ever seen. That was a good version that of the trailer. Really worked. Yeah. yeah. Sabotage just works for a lot. And the BC boys just works for a lot of things. Yeah, and, they, and they did it for Star Trek. Yeah. They used it twice. They used it in the first JJ Abrams one. And then the third, uh, what was that movie called? Uh, yeah. To- Dark, but no, they no. used it in a Not part where there was like action going on. Beyond. Was, oh yeah, actually, wasn't sabotage used as a weapon? In Beyond, yeah, yeah, they actually used it as a weapon, and it worked <laughs> out a, like for had a point in the plot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, let's go ahead and start talking about some altered carbon episode seven. Nora Inu, which is according to IMDb trivia, is Japanese for stray dog. Which definitely would oh, it's not for Inu. info bomb. Yeah, <laughs> Inu. Uh, would definitely uh, describe Kovacs in this. Yeah. So I want to say is that I am. I had to watch this episode twice. Uh, like I always want to watch the episodes twice just so I can get a better understanding. But I had to watch this episode <laughs> twice because there was so much info and so much going on in this episode that I just like I I knew I was missing stuff. But I still, I still feel like the whole Kovacs' bodies, like the the different versions of his bodies. So in the episode, it starts off. You know, we see the young Kovacs kills his father, which is the Russian dude from the earlier episodes, like the one that. Oh no, no, it wasn't. <clears throat> that's the same no, that's actor. What I it was the same guy. It's the same actor. It didn't seem. But see, like. I think that's because he was tripping. Like she even says, "You're you're hallucinating. You're tripping." So I think that part of it is like kind of his memory oh, okay. and his modern time. Like because his dad, around. his his dad was Ukrainian. Because oh. he's he is mixed, so maybe there could have been some kind of mix there with because uh, he had to deal with the Russian the Demi Demi the twin Demi the twin right. So there could be some kind of weird psychological mix, right? Yeah. So that's and that's what I was thinking, but then. When he's getting interrogated by, and I always think of this guy as New Agent Smith because in the Matrix movies, that's the guy who came in. He was Agent Johnson. Oh, he, Agent Johnson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he looked familiar. Uh, I always think of him as yeah. that. Um, but he, uh, he, um, he, he tell or he he tells Agent Johnson, "You guys took my body, and now, and I don't know what you you probably sold it off, and I'm in this body, so." There's an even a, another Kovach body, a little his little kid body, which is out there somewhere else. Well, from what I picked up, it's like he's been in the um, I can't remember the name uh, the organization. CC or CTAC. CTAC, or? that's it. So yeah, so he joined CTAC, and they held onto his body, and that body stayed in that planet. 
So if you remember the rules of the game, <clears throat> you can literally take a stack, take the information on it, and beam it to another planet. Right. So the skills and the the mind and the consciousness can get beamed through outer space. Mm-hmm. But the body stays. Right. And so that's the new way of space travel. Um, what? So when he was off doing SeaTac stuff growing up, his body grew up as well. Which is uh, the the body that grows up, or and we see him come back, and he's like, "This is the first time I've been back since I joined SeaTac." That's what they're calling in this episode stronghold, Kovac, yes. or yeah, Kovacs. Yes. But and that's also the body that we saw in the beginning of the series get taken at the hotel. Yes. But it's not the body that he calls his original body that we saw him fight in the fight drome or whatever that place was called. The one that Demi the twin takes control of and fights him. It's not the same person? No. Those are two different actors. The one dude, the one that he says is his original body, the one that he saw in the, the frozen coffin and, and the first time he went into the fight drome and he said, that's my original body. That's the guy who played Ryu in the Street Fighter movie. Oh, shit. Well, that was the one that was in the hotel room then. Oh, man. No, the one in the hotel room was the stronghold body. I've watched this series three times. I just realized I'm a racist. (laughs) (laughs) All Asian people look like you. They all look the fucking same. And I used to live in Korea. you did. There was a point where I was able to tell them apart, but this time... Not so much. Not anymore, man. And that's the thing that's getting me, because I've watched both Will Young Lee and uh, never the other actor uh, in different things all the time. I am so glad you brought that up. Now I'm now I'm angry. So I want to want I want to know is because the little kid said my my original body is somewhere else. Is that what the body that he's talking about? So both bodies were aged without him being in them. If that makes sense. Maybe I've gone cross-eyed now. That's, I you know what that's probably the. Part of the this episode I focused on the least. You're right. It's probably not the thing that I need to be focusing on at all. But it's just something that really gets to me. Like I, I want to try oh, and keep these bodies me. these bodies straight, but it, it's not that big a deal. I feel like I need to make some emails and make some phone calls. Like, why? <laughs> What's happening here? To the tweets. <laughs> but I do want to bring something back from the previous episode that would make sense because of this episode. Okay. Remember when Kovach was presenting, uh, like, just giving him an update about the why he was hired? Mm-hmm. He, he said a phrase is like, you know, it, it takes a lot of, uh, damn, I can't remember the exact word for word, but it, it, was, it, it was basically, he was trying to say, it's like, it, it takes a lot of, like, out of somebody, a lot of rage and desperation to kill your own father. Mm-hmm. And so when he saw uh, uh, Isaac... Yeah, Isaac. I, Isaac, he, he said, just knew he he, did, he wasn't capable of doing it because he, he had, had to, to do it. He had to do it to kill his own father. So, what we saw was his father kill his mother and then throw her into a vat of some kind of acid or mm-hmm. a big. They called it body. coolant. Like coolant. Okay. Coolant, and so. then it, it obviously the body we saw the body just disintegrate. Mm-hmm. Uh. And then, from the sounds of it, he you know he took out his father because he he thought she was gonna, he was going to do the same thing to his sister, which was weird. That well, he grew up in an abusive family, so right? He, but I mean, like, why focus all his attention on the on the two women in the family? Like, why not beat his son too? Um. Oh wow, I'm gonna go into, I'm gonna, I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go into some dark places, but like <laughs> I've 
which is kind of funny that I, I, I have a few friends. <clears throat> I had a friend personally who was like, grew up in a, an abusive family and the father really only focused on beating the shit out of the women where it got kind of creepy. The funny thing is that person was half Asian too. So <sighs> there was, I kept on looking at, uh, Kovach's sister and it, she reminds me so much of somebody I knew in the past and like the same story too except the father didn't get killed but it was just like there were hearing having conversations with his old friend it was like the desire was there it was like to hear somebody say like yeah I'm like I, I've really met somebody who said that they fantasize killing their own father <laughs> and it's like oh I understand a desperation but I don't there's a from what I picked up certain people the reason that they would like do something like that, it's like they're living a life or in a family that they didn't really want. Uh, and okay. that's how I kind of pick. That's from my experience learning from other people. Because that's how that happened. Man, I feel like I went to a bad, dark place. But that's, I, I saw some personal stuff from friends I have that were in abusive families. And it was like, that's that's homegirl. Man, I feel bad. Like, I want to call them and give them a hug. It's like, you're Aww. good. Yeah, it's weird. Man, this one got pretty real all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Episode eight. The alcohol brings out the real. I know, right? right? Yeah. Altered carbon, another form of therapy. I need to drink more. <laughs> Look, uh, one thing I want to say about this episode, it made me start to think about like, it made me it literally okay. So because of everything that happens in this episode, we see like uh, his sister come back, Ray come back, uh, the scene where him and, and Ray first meet again after he hadn't seen her for a very long time in the so in the part where he's supposed to take out Saito like there is this whole action scene that's choreographed and shot just like a Michael Bay film like it is oh yeah I noticed that it's very much shot that way and I was very like, bad boys yeah it was very much bad boys and I was just like Okay, and then she's working for the Yakuza, and then he's he's, oh, yes. he's finding out, you know, he, he eventually, she comes back and she's like, oh no, I, I was able to live for, or I, I came back to life because an archaeologist found me and stuff like that. I was like, I was like, if this, if this show, at the, in the last episode, turns out to be like a giant just total recall memory, like this is all fake and it's just this Takashi Kovac is having a weird thing image put into his head and all that because that's what this is like everything like whoever wrote this is just throwing everything in. it's like fuck it you know it, there's video game shit going on and there's uh <laughs> this is ready player one like this is everything you've ever wanted in an adventure in into one story and it's like there's way too much going there's on so much shit that it, like you just want to give me some time to, like that from what i was reading in, in the in the production of this movie this movie this series that they knew that there was a lot going on that and they were they were afraid what to give up right like, like remember when i said that the the original character for poe mm -hmm. was supposed to be like a jimmy hendrix style character right there were other aspects of this show that they had to like give up or mesh together and i'm starting to understand like oh that's this is why it feels like it's so rushed because they didn't even know they were going to have a second season right they were just like let's see what we can do <laughs> so they actually there's some characters that got blended together that makes sense because in the book um, and that his usually sister isn't show. really his sister. Oh. She's a combination of two characters. Is, is one of those characters a love interest? Because it seems like the two of them have very much like oh, romantic just, chemistry. Yeah, yeah so that, that's the one thing I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I guess she was some sort of a love interest. Uh, yeah, so... And that, I, I don't know, that definitely comes into play because it seems like she gets very jealous when you see the chemistry between Quelcrest and... and uh, 
Takashi, mm-hmm. and when uh, they're they're both you know when he's training with her and stuff like that. So, uh, did that? Do you do you guys feel like that's what led to? Uh, Ray betraying the envoys in the way that she does, or was it was an already thing that was happening, and it just happened to be it, it happened to coincide with the fact that she caught uh, Takashi with Quelkas. Well, my interpretation of all of that is that she feels like you know what he did was basically sell her out, but he thought he was doing it for her own good. Originally, like he basically agreed to join the SeaTax, and they promised that they were gonna, you know, put her in a good family right. and all this other stuff. And he was like, "Okay, fine, I'll join your little club and be trained to be a merciless killer." Which is, to me, was already interesting that they would take a child, and and they're like, "Next time you wake up, you'll be in an adult body, and you'll be working for us." Is like, does there not need to be like a few years that montage is training? One of the best recruitment tools ever. I mean, one of the things like with the military is like having people who have to work into the job of killing people that sense of remorse. Well, since Kovach has been pushed, and like he 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 doesn't feel remorse killing his own father. They knew they they have they have a nice tool here to like this guy can kill other. Things. Well, I mean, I would also say that uh, the good part of the military, and I'm not trying to talk, I'm not talking down about them or anything, but a good part of it is that first you have to break down the, yeah. the person. Yeah, so you got to break can, him down. This guy's already broken down. Well, not just that; he's a child that is ready to be formed. Mm-hmm. Like he's a it's it's he he's literally just clay at that point yeah so pretty you, much is like let's indoctrinate this guy yeah and, uh, we you don't have to break up. him down so badass <laughs> yeah kind of like what they're doing with the stormtroopers yeah gotta grab them while they're young yep break them down mm-hmm. turn them into monsters <laughs> so uh you uh, we we cut you off though john you were yeah. i don't even know what i was saying anymore okay. sorry i have a tendency to jump in <laughs> uh, but actually no 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 you you were actually i noticed i was talking too much i was like looking at you like you talk but you were actually on the right path that his sister just followed him along because they wanted to live their life together yeah as family they want to be a family again but then yeah uh, cuz she their, their slogan was family first always or something like that yeah. right oh well, yeah that's what i was going to but quell chris kind of throws a monkey wrench in that because now all of a sudden uh kovacs is like starting to live and potentially wanting to die for something that's he just seems like that type of person yeah he has heart even though he tries to be like a shithead most of the time. <laughs> so I think she realized that, you know, he was going to get himself killed. And I think she was willing to sacrifice everyone else to save him, which would actually fall in line with one of Falconer's main lessons, which is use the people around you and understand that they are expendable. Right. So I think she did exactly that. Like, she didn't believe in their cause, doesn't want Kovach to die for their cause. And is willing to do anything to she, keep him from it. She had that one phrase. It's like they've been they've been they've been missing each other for so long. She wants a million sunrises with each other, a million days together. Well, you can't have that if 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 they're In if that, they go through with their plan of making it so that no one can live on forever. Yeah, where it's like so you have this thing about like the love of family mm-hmm. or like being human. And I also thought it was interesting, like, I mean, obviously the first way that uh, Takashi recognizes Rei is by the necklace, right? Yeah. So, I, I'm guessing, and I, I guess I don't know, I don't know if I've ever, I ever noticed it before, or maybe it just, I just 
counted it off as a as a tattoo or whatever. But you know, they both end up having that uh, snake tattoo on their arm. Double on dragon, the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. So I, I would assume that means that whenever he gets a new body, a new sleeve, he first thing he does is get that tattoo put on so that if he ran into his sister, not that he would, That's, he, he would think that his sister's dead, yeah. but he has that honor he, for her. He, he has that so that he, the, if they ever find each other, they can recognize each other. See, I, I kind of wonder if it was, uh, if he does it in the same order like he did in the beginning of the series. It's like he gets drunk and high. It's like, all right, so we'll get a tattoo. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I hmm. could see that being like his, his way of making himself at home in New Sleeve. It's like, you know, you bring a little something with you from your last home. Mm, fair Decorate enough. Decorate it. Yeah. Um, let's talk about uh, Falconer for a second. Big ol' drop of information. Do you guys feel happy now? I've been trying to hold in a lot of information. <laughs> and a lot of it just got dumped on oh, your face. Like, dude, what? <laughs> like, the book. This, the exact page in the poem that uh, I keep on forgetting. I'm forgetting people's names Kobex? right now. No, no, no. The guy that hired. Bancroft? Bancroft. <laughs> Bancroft actually said a quote off of that book. That was actually something that he wrote. It's the, So it's the part where he, he sits there after they've... It's post-coitus, and he, exact he writes... Words in, I wanted to say. He, yes. <laughs> he writes in her diary, like, that, that little poem, which I want to say about that book, there are many different handwritings in that book, mm-hmm. if you noticed... I don't know if that plays into it later or not, but I actually, to me that was very interesting. Now, is that because Quellcrest has different bodies, and the different bodies themselves have their own distinct handwriting? Well, or, each one would have their own muscle memory. That's one of true, the but or it, she had so many boyfriends writing poetry <laughs> there after coitus. That's, that's another thing. But I'm to say, personality goes a lot into your handwriting. So. Not so much muscle memory, but also, I mean, why would it look different if it's it's all that her? That seems like a really good test. I want to, yeah. I want to write a poem every time I'm angry or I'm sad. <laughs> oh, they should do tests like that on people who've suffered amnesia and see if their handwriting changes. Oh, damn! Yeah. I need to get another drink. <laughs> so and write a poem. But we've come to find out that. Quellcrest Falconer is the creator of the stack. She, mm-hmm. in another life, was Nancy something. Yeah. How did you feel when when that moment happened? Did your mouth stay? Would, it, did your, oh, did it your went jaw a drop? It, it, yeah, it dropped. I was like, what? There's a lot of weird things in this show that makes you go, oh. And the fact that she was like, like I, I literally did it just because I wanted to explore. I wanted to be able to see all the, all the planets and stuff like that. But, which is a great idea, because, like, Space travel is impossible. Yes. Without without the well, the theory of relativity, time the relativity of time. But if you can like beam yourself into a body that's already waiting for you. And if you can beam the information of a clone, since we know we can clone something over there, you can essentially be over there. Right. So, like she said, I wanted to see it with my own eyes. I wanted exactly. to be able to experience and it. And that's what humans want. That's why we want to go to Mars, Elon Musk. <laughs> so it, it's there's a but like everything else in the world it got corrupted it got changed he's and she's very much like people weren't meant to live forever and that's so true like you the, the i don't know every time someone explains or in the show talks about how they've lived for so many years it just it really disgusts me like it's like that is so gross like i watched highlander i've watched you know i read spider superman mm-hmm. like those characters live forever yeah but in but this they, version of the you're right exactly in this version of the world these corrupted people like the bancrofts that have lived for centuries it's just like oh that just 
oh, it disturbs the hell out of me. But it makes sense because, like, I like the. There's so much philosophy in this one, where she talks about the Roman when Rome expanded, mm-hmm. and the one thing that they she created a road, mm-hmm. and that's what made Rome strong. But it also made Rome corrupt. The fact that you can explore, but the fact that even the people with their agendas can explore. Everybody gets to explore, yeah. not just the, the righteous. So she created the road to travel to different countries, different planets. Yeah, different, yeah. and it's like, ooh, it's rough. It's rough. <laughs> John? I I was in shock. Yeah? I think I paused it. <laughs> I was like, had to absorb what? it for a second? Had yeah. to, couldn't it, let the show it, it go hit on? Me, yeah. Like, bomb. I was like, what? <laughs> and then I have to kind of delve more deeply, and they do go into it a little bit more about, like, when she goes into the big old speech about, you know, why men weren't supposed to live forever and all that, just like you said, and how, you know, basically she wants to take back her invention and go on a suicide mission that would prevent this from being able to keep getting abused the way it has been. I'm like, man, like, that's definitely. Well, around, if, if you do the math. It was the beginning of the stacks. And she said she sees where the future is going. And then they all die. 250 years later, uh, Kovach is back up. And then he sees everything that she predicted. It's true. Yeah, but I would I would imagine the stacks were, were are, by the time, at the point where they're at the stronghold like that, mm-hmm. uh, they, they, they've already been around for a couple centuries, no? Uh, you know what? They don't really exactly give the amount of time, but from what I know, from how long his sisters have been trying to look for him, mm-hmm. I'm at least thinking that that was the 250 years, and that the stacks existed at least, uh, I think, about a hundred years before that. Okay, that's what I'm thinking. All right, um, I'm, I'm I'm trying to remember where I'm gathering that data. Where I remember there was a lot of numbers coming off. I think it was something with Bancroft trying to talk to... Because um, Bancroft lived throughout the Envoy situation, right? Mm-hmm. He mentioned how long he was living during that situation. And I think he mentioned 350 years. And then... So he was in prison or in ice for about 250 years. So it's like, okay, that's at least 100 years of dealing with the Envoys. Society dealing with the Envoys. Right. Um. I think we're gonna have to see that. I, I think that, we need to watch this again and write uh, down all the numbers. That's another thing. That's another thing that I know that I probably shouldn't be focusing on as much. But for me, that's it, the, the numbers being thrown around the years is it's something like, that I'm always not getting catches a distinct my, timeline. Yeah, exactly. And like, that's why it made me think more of all of this is fake. All of this is virtual reality. You're gonna find out that this is all just some big fucking vacation of the mind for i have not gotten that far in the books and i hope not either no it's not gonna be it's not like that it's not not gonna be that that. i know that it's not gonna be that but to me that's what's playing out in my fucking brain they're gonna do a dallas on (laughs) (laughs) this is all part of a post slash fiction this will be ortega taking a shower and she's just like uh it was that's a weird dream Uh, let me ask you this, uh, because I had a little hard uh, time. Maybe it's just because of the way my, my mind works, but what is Falconer's plan? The idea of uh, putting in this virus into the main it, system? It's, everybody has a, a, a kill date. Okay. It's like nobody lives forever now. It's like your stack it has a date. It has an expiration date. Doesn't it make it like an even 100 for everybody? Yeah, which sounds pretty fair. 
Yeah. It's like because like if you exceed that, you're gonna lose your humanity. So like, you can sit there and you can get into a car accident at the age of eighteen, mm-hmm. and they'll resleeve you, which is fine. Your stack still works. Yeah. But if you make it all the way to one hundred, that's it. You're it's dead. done. You have a, a direct. I mean, unless you decide, unless you you have it in your paperwork to be like, if I die by at, before or after the age of sixty, mm-hmm. don't resleeve me, kind of thing. Yeah. I would assume. I mean, it's would, all your decision. If that were like a thing now, would you think that's fair? I would think that's yeah, that's fair. Where everyone's like, okay, a hundred years, you get a, at least you get at the most a hundred years to live your life. Because I know now it's like what I'm. I'm 38. I'm at the point now where it's like everything's getting really weird now. <laughs> I think I want to be dead in like the Whoa. next like <laughs> in the next 60. That, okay, in the next 60. I'm like, I don't understand what's going on here. I'm done. I'm I'm, I'm throwing my chips in. Cashing out. Yep. <laughs> uh, I mean, did you get any other else thing from from Falconer's uh, plan there, John? Did I mean, why did they need to go to where where, where it was that um, Kovacs gets, gets caught by the the C-Tac? Well, it sounds like it was some kind of central location for either uploading or storing stack information. Probably some kind of central processing location that maybe even makes the stacks. I didn't get a very good idea of exactly where that was, but I really liked the location. I thought it was kind of neat looking, even though it was very sim- neat looking. simplistic, but effective. And um, oh, I, I'm doing the thing with my finger. <laughs> I, I remember, yeah, that w- where they're doing the thing. The thing at is that, okay, my experience from being in the military is maneuvers and tactics. For being envoys and being the most like special forces type characters, with well, the C-Tax and then there's the envoys, they're two different things, right? Yeah, both. Okay. Their tactics suck. I'm just <laughs> I'm observing this as like somebody who's like done that stuff, where it's like, oh, don't cover him, don't shoot. You got people in front of you. Why do you guys do? Like, I but want see, to... you don't have to worry about that in this in this future. You can shoot. Friendly fire could you can take out the person in front of you, and they're just going to be re- <laughs> okay. Re- yeah, it's like we're not in hardcore mode. It's like Battlefield. It's like hardcore mode off. <laughs> like I can shoot your buddies and just be like, it's okay. You'll they be just back respawn. Up. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I guess that makes sense. All right. I was about. To, I was just having a panic attack. But so. now I get what you're saying, and and that that is definitely. A, I'm like gun safety. That's that's something that <laughs> because of what you lived through, you know, it definitely is is not what the average person. Yeah, I'm doing that about. thing where it's like it's not realistic enough. Yeah. <laughs> but when it comes down to guns and tactics, like that's the only thing I want realistic. Other science stuff, eh, I don't care. You know, it's funny and this is kind of a tangent, but it's so I think it's very interesting how movies have really started movies, TV shows, they've really started to dedicate a lot. And maybe they didn't do it well in this, but they've dedicated a lot to the way tactics and guns worked as mm-hmm. opposed to 80s and 90s like if you go back and rewatch some of that stuff like a guy can... holding like an m60 machine gun and holding the chains up standing up and just yeah like, just, all, <laughs> just like it's yeah the black hawk down one of the best movies when it comes down to stuff like that mm. i look at that and i'm like i just want to stand up and clap my hands like good tactics <laughs> good stuff good stuff um now we got to see uh falconer when she's teaching kovacs and ray about uh not being held to the sleeves um limitations more you can you control the sleeve not the sleeve controls you and how she was able to take out not one not two but three assailants unarmed at one point she Mm -hmm. eventually steals their weapons and takes them out and stuff 
do you feel like that is because she's the creator of the stacks or and and she knows the in and outs of the technology and like she 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 understands it better than anybody else or is it something that she's learned over time i wondered about that because like i said this this episode had the philosophy like push like crazy (laughs) so if you are gonna like treat your sleeve like a vehicle Mm -hmm. and so you're gonna experience you know your pain you're gonna experience like fatigue you're gonna experience a lot of things that like keep you from pushing to like your 100 percent if you look at this your your body as a as a as just a a thing that you're gonna be in it temporarily and then you're gonna get a new one you're gonna push yourself to the max i could see that because like with my body right now if i were to do like a 10k I'd, I'd try to push it, even if I'm like I would. I would damage this body. <laughs> I would. I would go. It's like, well, you can't resleeve, so don't do that. Yeah, I know exactly. Because that's why they say your body is your temple. But if your body isn't a temple, it's just a vehicle that you can just use for a moment and jump into another one. I think that's what she understands with the way you can jump from one sleeve to another. Mm. It's like this is a tool, the same way that you would look at a car. It's like you can push a car. So, let's do it this way. Like with NASCAR, you got these professional drivers pushing their cars to the limit. They know if they push it to a certain extreme that they're eventually going to like wear down the engine. It's going to blow a tire. It's You're going to do bad stuff to the car, pushing it the way you can push it. But you got your car at home. You will never drive your car at home <laughs> <laughs> the way you would drive a car in NASCAR because that's your one and only car. So that's how I kind of look. What she's doing, it's like, dude, push these things to the limit. You're gonna get a new one anyways. Fair enough. That's how I. That's how I kind of looked at it. Uh, John. Well, I took that scene as sort of like she's had some kind of Buddhist level transcendence, where she's like beyond just the sleeve. She's beyond the flesh. She's something else now entirely because she acted on an almost. Uh, like clairvoyant way of disarming and attacking the people. I mean, she shot Ray's gun out of her hand without even looking at it. I thought one of the interesting parts of that was that she catches that dude's knife when he throws it at her. Honestly, what I thought was going to happen when, when the camera panned around is that she was, she would have just let the the knife go into her body. And that was, that was going to prove her point of like, it doesn't matter if his body gets through her hand, but yeah, yeah, something like that, like through her arm, she would throw her arm in the way so that it doesn't hit her face or her, you know, something vital. But it's more of the fact that it doesn't matter if this, this part gets injured or something like that. Yeah. Like what I'm saying, but that's not what happened. She caught it instead, which is goes more towards the clairvoyant part, which made me think of more like Neo in the matrix. Like if you can, if you can manipulate or you can see the code as it's happening, you can do anything. And that's kind of what happens when they're in the virtual interrogation room that Kovacs is stuck in with agent Johnson. Uh, She manipulated the code so much to the point where she could actually hurt agent Johnson. He's like, what the fuck? I'm not even supposed to be able to get hurt in this, in this simulation. How am I, you know, getting injured? So that was also, I don't know, very interesting. Hmm. He's trying to say that the mind is definitely like rules over the matter. Yes, exactly. It makes me wonder like what her philosophy was when she created the stacks. That she just knew what the capabilities, what a human can do. It's like, 
maybe she had like this deep level of thinking. It's like, if I can do this, I could possibly do this or look at things like this. Which I'm going to go back to my theory. Or if somebody was going to throw a knife at you and you knew that it wasn't going to, like, it didn't matter. Right. What would your, if it did matter, what would your instinct, instinct be if I threw a knife at you? To dodge it. Dodge it. So now if it's, if you knew it doesn't matter, stick my hand in the way. You're, or even try to catch it. Where it's going to be like, after, if you had that much practice, it's like, I can catch this blade. If you had enough practice, yes. But yeah. the, the timing of it, to, to be able to catch it at the right moment, is going to be a lot more strenuous and, 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 and almost impossible. Yeah, she did as do it like just within putting, that second. Within yeah. the, with, 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 with me just putting my hand up like a wall kind of thing, and I know eventually it will come to my I do hand. the Neo thing go, no. <laughs> Not so much that it's more like catching the baseball at uh, as uh, as a as a catcher. You know, you, if you put your hand there, the ball is going to come to it. As opposed to as the batter, you're trying to hit it at the right moment when it's in the sweet spot to knock it out. You yes. Know? So, I, I, so obviously you can do it. You can hit a baseball out of the field. So why wouldn't you be able to catch a knife as it's being thrown at you? Practice. Practice. Exactly. And just don't dodge it. <laughs> <laughs> if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a dodgeball. <laughs> Uh, so hey, I'm gonna get a refill. Yeah. When I get back, things are gonna get really weird. Okay, <laughs> uh, make it make it quick. I'll make it quick. Uh, John, at the part where they essentially all of the envoys or the the community, I don't I don't know if they're all envoys or not, but the community turns on themselves. Is that a result of the same idea that? falconer had about manipulating the stacks like she wanted to manipulate the stacks so that everybody dies at, at age of 100 right yeah instead what we see in this is all these people turn on each other because they see each other as monsters or something like this is what i wanted to get at this is this is another thing that supported my whole this is all fake because there was one guy sitting there saying uh, I need to get to the next screen. I need to get to the next screen. Like, and uh, this isn't real. Like, this isn't real. Like, they kept saying weird shit before they killed each other. So that made me think, like, oh, none of this is real. Like, they, they're all watching this on a, on a screen or something like that. You know, this is all part of one giant VR experience that they're all experiencing at the same time. So maybe they're all jacked into the Matrix. Yes, exactly. I could see that. That seems a little derivative. There's something else going on. My interpretation of that was that they were all being force-fed some kind of broadcast directly into their stacks, mm-hmm. which would kind of feel like that falls in line with what we've seen so far. Um, I would equate it to be kind of similar to the projected um, advertising that we see in like the first or second episode. Okay. Except this was like basically them having... It was more than just hallucinations because it's one thing to see something that's not there. They were somehow forced to act on it. Yes, very much yeah. so. And like in different ways, you had one like the woman that was cutting the vegetables. Like you see her kind of look, kind of slowly turn around, but still have the knife in her hand. And then you see a couple of the other people. And then the way they ended up actually dying wasn't very clear because they were all covered like there was an explosion. So yeah, obviously they 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 were attacked on two different fronts. They yeah. were they were one manipulated through their stacks to their their minds were were fucked with to attack each other, which then distracts them from the fact that there is a some type of ki- carpet bombing that that eventually happens. 
uh, I, I assume by SeaTac, which then SeaTac actual soldiers come in afterwards to pick up any stragglers, stragglers, which eventually is Ko- Kovac and Kovac and Ray and uh, and Falconer. But uh, what I had brought up to John is that did they use the same plan that Falconer had of manipulating stacks, but they used was used against her and her people uh, by giving them this idea that they're not in a real life or these people are mo- their their allies are monsters so they need to attack each other essentially what i'm trying to get at is did ray sell them out and be like this is what they're going to do this is their plan and then whoever was on the sea tax side did was it like, feel like it that's what it felt like to me yeah that's what it felt like yeah totally because one the foreshadowing of like the jealousy mm-hmm. you saw the like what's what's wrong with him why is he with with falconer and then we saw at the end that she just straight up. I didn't quite get that too. So he the the way that um, uh, Kovacs realized that Ray was lying to him. He he says, uh, "You wouldn't know how she died or how she died, or you would have known how she died if if it happened the way that you said, but your backup hadn't happened yet." Mm-hmm. But in the very next scene, um, Ray says, uh, "That's exactly what." falconer said to me she asked me why right before she died too it's like so how how nanosecond is that backup because she remembers that ray or that falconer asked her why and she said because these people raised me is that what it was Mm -hmm. or brought me back I, i forget what the exact words were i forgot who brought her back but i yeah i think they found her stack well, I, I don't. I don't know. I, I think she beamed out. I think she really? she beamed out right mm. right because she hits that the thing. Uh, oh yeah, and then like it did get hit with beams, and then it got hit with beams. So it, she didn't blow up the 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 shuttle. Someone else shot the shuttle. So I think she she beams out, and then uh, the the beams hit that hit the the thing hit the shuttle. So uh, her body dies in that, but obviously they can clone a new body and stuff like that. And she is in a new body because her she doesn't have a facial facial tattoo in the new body. Yeah, exactly. And that was another thing was like when she's telling um, Kovach or Takashi the the story of some archaeologist found me found my stack and found a little bit of my DNA, which is a billion to one. And I was like, okay, well, she's obviously lying. Like one, why is there even archaeologists at this point anymore? And there's just people that are alive still. There are archaeologists. But that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, shouldn't there just be a person that's still alive from that time and be like, yeah, this is how it happened kind of thing? Why would you need archaeologists anymore? Like, archaeologists are there to tell the story of the past when mm-hmm. you now have people that There's lived in the past. The, uh, so you're, we're familiar with the tree now, right? Yes. The tree was somehow related to some alien technology, whoever li- used to live there before. Mm. So uh, you remember the part where she says, like, that is the only thing you said to me in hours? It's all about fucking rocks. Yeah, and it's about those rocks are somehow related to the alien technology that was created from that tree. Right. So that's going to play a point later is what you're telling me. <laughs> no, it, it, it's that's what I'm getting at uh, from watching this is that there there's a reason for archaeology. So say, like, we go to Mars and we do find something that looks like an artifact. It, people in Earth are going to be like, whoa. We need archaeologists to go over there and study this. Fair, fair enough. So if we start becoming like Earth uh, uh, out uh, explorers, explorers in other planets, we're going to probably want archaeologists if we do find any kind of proof of any existence of anything weird, even like primitive. 
creatures doing some sort of cultural stuff. I don't know if it would be that's, that's where we draw a line. Would it be archaeological or would it be what's another word for they use for animals from the past? It, Sociological, Sociological. something like that. Anthropological, anthropological. Anthropological, Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Yeah. it works. Uh, Okay, so another big surprise is that so many of the characters we've already met in this series so far is actually Ray. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Takashi goes and he's putting things together in the way that we know. My mouth the whole time. We see him uh, go when he sees the what we you know very familiar with co- freezer coffins at this point uh, mm-hmm. freezer chambers where bodies are and he's wiping the 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 um, frost away and it's bodies of characters we've already seen. Now at this point, I didn't know if it was the person someone is impersonating Ray to him, but what we find out at the end of the episode is that Ray has just been around and she's been uh, she's been taking note and helping out either helping or keeping an eye on Takashi in so many ways under so many different guises. So the black dude that he saw, she saw or that Takashi saw in the virtual meeting place is is her. Mm-hmm. Uh, the little kid at the fucking museum is, is her. Uh, there was another one. I can't remember who it was at this remember. moment. Oh yeah. That was the, uh, she's another lady, right? Was she an anthropologist? Or an archaeologist. She she was a collector of like artifacts. Oh yeah, she was at the party. And so that's yeah, how, and that's that right. was the reason why she tried to influence Bancroft to like pick him because she was in the crowd. She's like, hey, that's right, yes. So that, and that's how he, he she influenced Bancroft. It's like, hey, this is one thing that no one has. Boom, that guy. So essentially, after the after the point where Quellcrest died, and Takashi thought that um, Ray died with her. Ray didn't actually die. She beamed to somewhere else, got into a new body, and has lived this whole time. At least that's how I figure. Has lived this whole time, acquired mass fortune, done whatever she needed to do. Uh, who knows? Maybe even turned in her brother, and that's why he got killed in that hotel room. And now has been has been manipulating him since he woke up in this new Riker body. So, go ahead. I have well because of all these revelations that came to light. I have this theory. That since that ghost man, whatever, what do they call him? Uh, he's a ghost walker. I think ghost we, walker? yeah, yeah, ghost walker. He's and a believer. Since he's a believer, um, and he's working with apparently one of the identities of Ray. Right. I had this crazy notion, which is also, oh, which also makes sense of why she he he said she said don't kill him. So sorry, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I had this crazy notion, like, what if? Because she is like in love or obsessed with Takeshi so much, she either saved or made an illegal or incomplete copy of Takeshi to keep as like a little pet of hers, and it grew into this ghost walker. Oh, wow. And kind of kept him off the grid, and that's why he can't be seen by yeah. technology and, and, and stuff. He, that's he weird. He kept some of the zealotry that like Kelchris was trying to go for. But he doesn't have like the heart of Takeshi. He's more like the machine that Takeshi mm. could the, the be. The killing machine. Yeah. He's definitely a killing ass. machine. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's that is definitely a theory. I so. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I never thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there's so many things about this show that can make you go, I've never thought about that. Yeah, no. Because it can go anywhere, man. I'm gonna have to rewatch this once it's over. Just binge watch it. Yeah. This, this what episode week by week. 
thing is not for me. I'm definitely more of a binger. <laughs> Did you guys catch the fireflies? Yeah, I thought that was very so interesting. I, 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 I thought con- it was part of his hallucination, but he has them, he sees them again at the end of the episode when he shouldn't be hallucinating anymore. Yeah, because I was thinking either one, it's a hallucination, or is it a swarm of those spy bots? Oh, I didn't think about that. That's right. We did see the spy bots. But, and were, were they the same color? Uh, I think they might have been, but they would have been working for her. Mm-hmm. So that would make sense that they would be there. Cause... Because it was uh, the Ghost Walker that was yeah. fine on yeah. Homeboy. In which was... she, we know Ghost Walker works for her. Mm-hmm. So it just made me wonder. That's the part where I'm confused. Are they hallucinations? Because they did talk about their childhood and about the, the fireflies where they grew up with. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that might be why she made them in that image. Yeah, that'd be weird. <laughs> so, uh, was there any other parts in particular that either one of you really wanted to talk about? I think I, I, I kind of threw out a lot of the stuff that I wanted to talk you about. You hit the parts that I wanted it. I really just wanted to comment on how awesome the fight scene was between the uh, the Praetorian guards and the Yakuza. Oh, yeah. <laughs> team up against both. That was pretty badass. There's one thing I noticed about the book is that they talk about... Um, Kleishnikov rifles mm-hmm. that they're modified t- Kleishnikov rifles and you see the Praetorians using some form of an AK-47 which is known as a Kleishnikov rifle and if you look again they're all AK-47s but mm-hmm. some weird science-y sci-fi junk on it it's like <laughs> alright cool I'll accept it I did think it was interesting that uh, when it came to that scene you know uh, Takashi is taking out all of his SeaTac fellow officers and then she's taking out all the Yakuza mm-hmm. you know guys which you would think they, I mean, they could still be taking out, you know, the, the enemy that they came there to, to fight, but they are taking out their own people. Okay, there is one thing I forgot to bring up. I do love you can see Kovach's or Takashi's uh, asshole attitude in this whole this whole episode because there's that part where um, Falconer was telling him on the bridge, it's like you killed like a whole squad of Platorians, and he's like. Yeah, they've been pissing me off. He's like, well, your sister killed a whole, you know, the whole set of, like, the best Yakuza out there. It's like, yeah, well, they were pissing her off, too. (laughs) What else? He said some other things. Oh, yeah, when he got captured again after that one mission. Right. And he ends up as an older, older uh, Takashi in the the VR area. Right. And he's like, oh, wow, it's been 20 years since I've been here. Still looks the same. Still looks the same. He could use a paint job. And he said something else. Like he, he still has his asshole moments where he makes like funny like snide remarks. And I'm like, I, I still like this guy. It is who he is. <laughs> yeah, he said something about I'm I'm a nostalgic guy and all, but like you guys could have done a little something to this room. That's the one thing I did like. It's like he st- they still kept that in there. But then he, it didn't. The one thing it kind of overshadowed the the, the heart family thing kind of overshadowed that but it still showed that he still has a potential to be a dick mm-hmm. uh okay well then i think uh we covered this episode pretty well uh three more episodes left of the season so i only expected to ramp up even more from this point mm-hmm. uh anybody has an opinion that either goes along with ours or differs we uh, would love to hear from you so i am on Twitter as at Mitchipedia G-E-R. I've changed my Twitter name, so uh, you can find me that way. Um, you re-sleeved your Twitter. I re-sleeved my Twitter. There you go. That's a good way of putting it. Uh, John is also on Twitter as? I am at Magic Bollocks. Uh, Brian, I know, is on Twitter. 
I am at uh, at Angry Nin. Pretty much, if you look for Angry Nin on any social media, I'm on there. Okay. Even the Xbox and PlayStation. There you go. And Pornhub. And Pornhub. <laughs> and Pornhub. And, oh, yeah. And we Overwatch. Making his own we Overwatch play some porn. Overwatch. <laughs> yeah. you, you'll see his comments underneath the, the Overwatch porn. I love Pornhub like comments. Because, <laughs> so, like, there'll be somebody who's like, Hey, can you guys? Does anyone know how to calculate a tangent from like an equation for math? And someone's like, "Oh yeah, I got this here for you." There's a lot of really helpful people. There are a lot of helpful people. I mean, you're in a euphoric state usually, I would assume. <laughs> so, we're like, well, yeah, why not help out your fellow? I go there for like math problems. Deviant. Uh, uh, the I rest think of before ge- Congress has any major decisions to make, they should probably watch a few minutes of Pornhub and then they can <laughs> go and deliberate. There you go. That, that's not a bad idea. And judges too. Yeah. Uh, the rest of Geek Elite Radio is at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter, at Geek Elite Radio on Instagram, Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Radio is our Facebook page, and uh, website is geekeliteradio.com. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio Network. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geek Elite Radio Network, saying always remember to geek, geek out. out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming.